Hello, everyone. It's that time again with Sean Savin Moo. Hello, everybody. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Golf's perfect imperfections, huh? Mm-hmm. We have uh, we have some perfect imperfections to talk about this week, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. We have the golf ball rollback. The day is here, and uh, not a lot of happy people out there. Rightfully so. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, you think about all of the golf lessons I give in a, in a year. Right now, I'm giving 80, 80 a week, right? Yeah. And I basically work oh, a good uh, 50 weeks out of the year, if you know, if not more. Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot of unhappy people right there because everybody's trying to get a more efficient swing to get more club speed, effortlessly, of course. And then everybody's making some nice gains right now, and uh, somebody's going to come along and, you know, uh, be go a party back pooper. In time. Yeah, go be a party pooper. Literally, go back in time. Not just stall the progress, <clears throat> but literally go back in time. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be going back what to my junior world? days. What then, in the world? Then I'm really going to feel my age. But <laughs> right, because that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I, right now, I'm I'm feeling. Hey. You know, I, I just had a video yesterday, if you check it on Instagram, carried the ball 307 righty, 304 lefty. I'm sitting there really proud of myself because, you know, I, I used to do that when I was 30 years old, but that's when I had 125 miles per hour club speed and not 110 to 115, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, But I just don't feel like <coughs> they're... They're not taking into account just the regular average golfers mm-hmm. because we see it here at our club. The average age at our club is 65 years old. Yeah. They have such a hard time getting to the green in regulation strokes because they just don't hit it far. They're right. too, they're, their bodies just aren't, aren't made for that anymore. That's right. And you're going to take, now we're talking like 15 yards off of what they already have. Yeah. Because when you think about it, the testing, the so-called testing that they're doing with the distances of the golf ball, it's all robotic. Yeah. Right? And that robot is hitting in quote-unquote perfect conditions, center of the face every time. Do you think every average golfer hits the ball in the center of the face at all times? Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. You're it's... you're you're basing it off of a robot. That's not the. That's not a human being. That's not the average golfer. Like literally, golf pros on the PGA Tour don't hit the center of the face every time. Well, that's it. I mean, Hogan used to say he hits six shots to his personal satisfaction in a round of golf. That's that means he's nutting it. All the other ones are good misses. It just it doesn't make any sense because, like I said in the last podcast, why not just let the player adapt to the environment? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a challenge within itself. Yeah, Tiger, you know, reading right now, he says he was in favor of bifurcation, which is, you know, he, he mentions in baseball they have wooden bats, and in amateur baseball they've got aluminum bats. Right. So they made it different for the pros so that, you know, they keep, they don't keep hitting it out of the ballpark. So I'm going, well, I mean, that sounds logical for the PGA Tour professional. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you make it to the big stage, mm-hmm. you get to play with a very specific ball 
And it's like a rite of passage then, right? Yes, I agree with that. But at the same time, you're taking away the appeal of the product. Because fans love it when a pro steps up on a reachable par four. Mm -hmm. Like that creates so much anticipation and excitement and they hit the green and it's like everybody goes crazy. I think that'll that'll still happen though. Yeah, but like... Less it guys feels, will be able to hit it. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. I think that's also goes to these pros have the ability to have speed sessions or train for speed. Yeah. Be able to utilize <clears throat> the ball or the club at speed and perform well with it. But the amateur doesn't have the time to produce or build or the on, body. Mm-hmm. Build the body in the right way, right? Nor I, is I mean, the there's no way at age 58 that I could do speed training like you. Forget about it, because you know, and that and they. They, that, that's exactly what they say. The culprit is the recovery. Mm-hmm. The recovery time just takes too too long now, right? Yeah. Um, Mark Sisson, who's uh, one of the top you know um, health guys in the in the industry, and he's in his seventies now, mm-hmm. and uh, he says I, I can't do weight training the same way as I used to. Yeah. Because I can't recover as fast anymore, so I can't keep putting on the same. level of stress on my body and the same amount of muscle. Mm -hmm. And now I find myself because of that, I have to eat less. So he's gone down. He's going two meals a day, sometimes one meal a day to control his calories. So he doesn't gain the weight because now he can't recover fast enough to take, you know, to keep that weight off from all the calories that he was ingesting before. Yeah. And some of the food probably was causing inflammation. Well, um, I think that, you know, he because he's a paleo guy. He's, oh, okay. he's one of the he's you know one of the more the more foremost experts on nutrition. So oh, I think okay. he's got that lick pretty good. Fair. But to hear him say, "Hey, man, like I'm doing my best to keep up, and I just can't anymore. Mm-hmm. It just the body won't let me anymore." So mm-hmm, yeah. you know, back to Sav with our with our average age of members at the club at 65 years old. Yeah, and they don't eat like Marxists, and, and they don't train like Marxists. And, so it's uh, there. There are going to be a lot of sad faces out there. Yeah, I think I think a lot take, of people are going to give up the game because of it. They will. It's yeah. it's literally inevitable. That's why I'm so yeah. passionate about talking about why this is not a good thing for the game. I can hear the passion in your voice, Sav, and I it's can not, see the. You should see how animated she is. But then you look at the like, the lady side of golf too, right? Exactly. Well, Hello? you're the you're the you're the big defender of that. Hello, like it just, it doesn't make any sense. I agree with stalling the progress where it's at right now. Right. Like putting a status quo on it. Right. I think putting a status quo on it, that would be fine. But like, but to roll it back. And then you think about, okay, well then. I think there's going to be some lawsuits. If. Yeah, the manufacturers are definitely going to fight back. Because if now you're not hitting the ball as far as you typically are, it's going to take you more strokes to get to the green. And then that's going to be pace of play. You know, if you, you think about it, if the the manufacturers are going to be losing a lot of money trying to reorganize themselves and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. Why not use that money in court? <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah everybody pulls together and say, here, here's a class action lawsuit, people. And uh, it's, you know, and I, I, I honestly, I've always thought like some of the rules that have been coming out, the the common sense have been has been lacking a little bit in some of the rules, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, why doesn't the PGA Tour just take the reins on that mm-hmm. and do their own rules? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I think a lot of people would get behind that. 
For this sure. this this could be this could be the 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 time that the USGA could get dethroned. Like I'm planting a seed out there, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going, hey, PGA Tour, this would be a really cool way for you guys to get to pull the blanket back on your side and do something positive for the golf industry. Because if you take a poll right now mm-hmm. about, hey, you know, do you want the ball to roll back and you want to take two extra clubs? Because you're going to take two extra clubs now into the mm-hmm. green, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose an, a club on the drive. <clears throat> yeah. Then the club that you're going to use to hit into the green won't go as far anymore. So you're losing two clubs yeah. per hole. Mm-hmm. That's the reality of it, right? And you see that a lot of courses have adapted their uh, yardages Mm -hmm. to what the game's at right now. So the courses are a little bit longer, and then you're going to take off the ball now. So it's like... Well, there's going to be some extra growth at the back tee. Goodness gracious. You know? Yeah. There's going to be some uh, less mowing to do. Because the whole... I mean, golf is a sport that people love because you have something to work towards all the time. Yes. The reward of doing well is like nothing else. So you're getting major fulfillment, yep. personal fulfillment from the game. Yes. And now everybody's progress is going to be halted if not pulled no, no. back. Pulled back. It, it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not halted. Halted would be, okay, everybody, this is it. This is the limit. Mm-hmm. We don't go beyond what we have now. Yeah. And everybody behaves. Yeah. We won't have to roll it back. So I would use the rollback as a threat. Mm. But status quo, this is where it, this is where it's at. And uh, if you make more forgiving clubs, so be it. But we're not hitting the ball any further. Yeah. And then you also think about the side of things where conditions come into play. Yep. So if you're testing balls with a robot in perfect conditions, mm. who's hitting it on the center of the face every single time, you take our course here you yeah. have a headwind no matter where you are on the golf course that's it it's, it's uphill into the wind you don't get on every hole <laughs> you don't get roll yeah. our course doesn't get any roll. we had so much rain this year we had you know we're getting backspin on on drives yeah, yeah. so and, it's like and my our spin is like below 2000 rpm yep. and we're still getting backspin on the driver yep. yeah that's how soft they are exactly <clears throat> so you take conditions you take this you take that and it's like that's a recipe for disaster. It is. Like, it really... And when you really think about <laughs> it, I mean, you know, I just, I'm, I'm going through my Rolodex of all my students right now. I'm going, he's not going to like that. He's not going to like that, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm left with maybe a handful of people that'll go, meh, all right, whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to stay with... A them. handful. A handful. Right? Yeah. Those are the skilled players that... Yes. ...will be okay to death. Right. But, mm-hmm. yeah, the golfers are still evolving. They're going to be like, I lost 10 and 11 yards. Like, yep. what's the point? What's That's the point? it. Yeah. Out of the out of the 3,000 people I'm going to see this year, a handful are going to be okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Eh, come on. Where's the democracy? <laughs> it doesn't make any, like. <laughs> I think the democracy just ended here. This is autocracy right now, right? Yeah. When it comes to, hey, the USGA is, is, uh, is they're, they're being a little bit too, uh, one side. I'm on curious that. to know if like they've reached out or talked to people like everyday people who play golf or like have it, they had conversations with like the everyday average golfer? Like what is that going to look like for somebody? 
I, I, I've never heard anybody in any interview on TV say what they want. Say to. that, uh, oh yeah, we want the rollback. Yeah, uh, they're I, saying yeah, and it's like maybe I wasn't listening, but you yeah. know, to me, it's like no, no, <laughs> don't no. do that, don't do that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I just want to know the reason. Like, what is the actual reason behind it? Yeah, what study? I want to know what study. They well, bring. they want to bring back all the old courses and stuff like that. What What you could do, though, is, hey, um, we're going to be playing this course this year, and we're playing with a special ball. Thanks for the people at Titleist for putting it. So everybody's going to be playing that ball for that event. But, I mean, it's not going to happen because mm. the, the sponsors will go, mm-hmm. you know, Mm-hmm. Everybody would have to make that kind of a ball. I mean, it's just it's status quo. Yeah. Let everybody catch up. You know, let let whatever golf course that they need to spruce their their you know, and then once that's caught up, mm-hmm. then everything will be fine. Yep. You know, because and it would be boring for every single manufacturer to have the exact same product. There'd be no differentiation between companies. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's, that's what's everybody loves their own. I know, but in hockey golf, right now, you still you still have, you know, it's the same puck, but at least you've got uh, you know hockey sticks have come a long way. Holy mackerel! Mm. Right, like I'm I'm a far cry from my Sherwood PMP days. <laughs> you know, laminated wood hockey sticks that would basically break. I'd last maybe a game and a half with it. You know. Now it's like uh, the the handle is graphite or aluminum or whatever, and mm-hmm. you just change the tips or it's you know. But they're mm-hmm. they're expensive now. I mean, yeah, they're yeah. they're like it's as expensive as a as a golf driver. A driver, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> but golf is unique in the way that there are so many manufacturers prominent in the game. Yeah, and you can't just tell them, okay, well, all of a sudden you all have to make the exact same ball with the exact same requirements, and you know. It'd be bizarre. Yeah, it would be. Because that's just not what golf is right now. Like, everybody has their own favorite company, right? Mm. And that's, like, the fun of it. Hey, you know, that's that's what, um, you know, we're looking at. We're perusing through the, um, what my golf spy, you know, if you go to my mygolfspy.com, they're, they're the ones right now that are first out with, you know, what we know, Right. And um, they're saying the rollback is being handed down to professionals and amateurs. So there's not going to be any bifurcation. Mm. And uh, all golfers will lose distance. That's a, that's, there's the headline, right? Mm. All golfers will Red lose flag. distance. Red flag. And I'm going, well, where does that make sense? <laughs> Out of the 60 million golfers. Oh. You know? And who's paying the bills? The golfers, duh! They're the one that's they're buying the drivers. They're drive. buying the golf balls. They're they're firing up the industry. Yep. Yeah. And then the USGA is going to come back and they, onto them uh, and say, ah, nah. "Actually, no more funds allowed." Did they? This, where's the grasp on reality? Really, right? When you when you really see something like that. Yeah, I wonder what they fear <clears throat> of the ball going too far right now that they're concerned about. Well, they're concerned that it's going to keep perpetuating in the in the in the distance, and that's where, at the very least, who cares though? Who actually cares that you're going to hit it further? That's more fun. 
That's more entertaining. That's Sav- more people are going to get into the game. Savannah Meyer Clement for USGA presidency. Okay. There it is. There it is, people. There's oh your goodness. there's your best candidacy right there. Oh, why would you want to play something that's not fun anymore? Mm-hmm. Well, they, you know, it's the golfers are they're they're hardcore and, and they are already hardcore. What was it, <laughs> Moo? You were telling me that the 1995 Pro V1 would not uh, pass the um, qualifying requirements for the, the uh, really is that is that what my golf spy was saying? No, this this is a uh, another uh, golf equipment um, like uh, researcher. Okay, uh, allegedly that's what he said. Like based off what they're going to be. When I heard that, I'm going, oh boy, we're in big trouble now. Yeah. Not yeah. just a couple of years back in time, but mm. like 1990. That's as old as I am. Savannah was born in 1995. <laughs> yeah. You're going to go that far back in time? <laughs> <laughs> what <are we> doing? <laughs> Even that ball's too long, apparently. Mm, I hope I hope he's wrong. I hope yeah. that's. I, I hope, hope that's he's a wrong rumor. because yeah, I hope no, that's I, a rumor. I, and I think that um, no, I mean, there you know, there should be two parties involved. Right, there yeah. should be an opposition party. Mm-hmm. Now, who wants to organize the opposition party to the USGA? Right, it's th- I think it's time. Yeah. I think it's time because somebody step I, up. I think I think they they're really overstepping their boundaries. I think on that, on, yeah, I yeah. think it's totally the wrong. And I and it, I don't usually. I was a speak big out. fan of Mike Wan. I was a big fan what he did for the LPGA, mm-hmm. but he's just trashing the whole thing now. It's bizarre. The whole thing is bizarre. Yeah, it really is. And I don't typically like to voice my opinion as prominently yeah. as I am right now. Mm. But, like, this is not great. No. <laughs> it's not exciting. No, you I got, mean, somebody it, has who, to say who something. Who wants to be first in line to test that ball? Uh, zero people. Right? Yeah. I'm going, really? I have to buy that now? I have to pay for a golf ball that's not going to go as so, far? Can you believe so, that? I know, so, right? right? So, you're telling, <laughs> so you're telling me they're going to drop their prices now because the ball's not as good? <clears throat> yeah. Because sure. that's not going to happen, is it? You're no. still going to be paying the same price well, for a gonna ball? Be, it's going to be more expensive now because all the research and development that have to go into that, right? Yeah. So no! It's going to be 100 no. bucks a dozen. Right, and then, and then, and then, can you imagine the advertising on the box? You're going to be two clubs shorter at the most. <laughs> so exciting, thrilling. Yeah, at the most, you'll be two two clubs shorter. The other guys will be three clubs shorter. You don't want them. We're only two clubs shorter. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> oh man. Oh my gosh! Yeah, what's the advertising going to be like? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be tough for the marketing group. For uh, sure. Oh man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's they're going to put be, their degrees to the I test. Think there's going to be some good comedy involved. I mean, here's here's the next one. <laughs> what does the golf ball rollback mean for you? And in short, the rollback will affect most of your clubs. <laughs> <laughs> what? Scripted any better than that, right? Yeah, <laughs> most of them. I can't. Except stop for the putter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I have a cramp. <laughs> oh man! Oh my goodness! It, it'll be it'll be hilarious. Really, I think it's going to be more hilarious than not. You know, it's, it's like true. a dark comedy. It's, yeah, it's a dark comedy. 
Yeah, I'm just going to stash all the good balls. I know. <laughs> <laughs> first come, first serve like chipmunk, to golf town. Chipmunks, yeah. yeah, I'm going to be at Chris. There's going to be a bunch Clear of hoarding going on. <laughs> yeah, when, when COVID hit, everyone was... Uh, going to be a bunch of scalpers out there, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and <they're> all... <laughs> it's going to be a black hole. Go. First tee. Yo, hey, man. Hey, man. 20 bucks just leave. <laughs> This is going to be a black market for good balls. Yeah, exactly. A black market for good golf oh balls. Oh, my God. All the guys who go fishing for the <clears throat> balls in the ponds, they're going to be making bank. There'll be a special door at the back of the Titleist plant. <laughs> <laughs> With extra security. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm dying. <laughs> Oh, man. I have actual tears coming down my face right now. <laughs> so there we go. And uh, I'm looking at the cross section of the ball that they, they used. And when you, you look at that on the website, it's like it's like one of those foam rollers. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know? So I think, I think instead of uh, one of the high energy layers, yeah. it's probably going to be like... A foam layer. Styrofoam, yeah. A styrofoam oh. to absorb. Oh, <laughs> to absorb the shock. <laughs> to absorb the shock. <laughs> Not propel it. Not propel it. That's it. Oh. One of those almost golf balls. <laughs> yeah. I wonder. I mean, it's like, okay. Hey, you know, uh, while I'm sure uh, you're listening to this and you're, I mean, like, I'm being, my brain is being bombarded by all these mm-hmm. different options right now. And, and it, scenarios. And, and I, like, I don't even want to know how this is going to develop. You know when they say, I can't wait for this to develop? Yeah. Like, no, I can wait. <laughs> like, how about can we just, just move know? on and, you know, to, to something <laughs> else? Yeah. The, like, the, the dates that, the year <sighs> that they think that'll be ready to go is 2028. 20, and by 2030, they'll have the whole um, market taken over with the, um, well, that gives us plenty of time to change the course of stock up on golf balls. Yeah, to change the course of play, you know. Yeah, um, and you know, I, I'm thinking about like uh, the next subject that I wanted to talk about was um, you know what we've done lately with our video. We have two videos this week, which is really cool. Yeah, I had to put this one out because the the support in the grip. Um, if you look at the trail hand, and you'll see. Um, you know, Bridget, which, you know, she's been with me for a couple of years now. And she finally voiced, she says, my trail hand or my, my lead hand, my left hand, because she's a right-handed golfer. She says, my thumb feels like it's, it's awkwardly placed at the top of my backswing. And she's always had like a, a flat backswing at the top and she wasn't benefiting from full width in her swing. So the the culprit was the support system from her trail hand. And I showed her how to put that index finger and have the index finger support the club at the top of the backswing. Remember when we did with you, Moo? Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> as soon as she felt that support, it relieved her left hand immediately. Right. And she stopped letting go at the top of the swing and all of a sudden, getting to the proper position at the top of the swing worked out beautifully. Right. So now we, in, we uh, widened her arc, got the, the hands a lot higher. That generated more momentum. 
And now instead of 120 carry, she's hitting at 145 carry. It's huge. Right? Yeah. But by next year, if the USGA gets their way, she'll be back to 120. Yeah. You know? Which, you know, there's the perfect example of some serious gains yeah. through sweat and tears and lessons and practice, you know, mm-hmm. and practice and play and practice and more lessons. Mm-hmm. And then, but we're getting somewhere and we're really enjoying the process mm-hmm. yeah. and we're, we're seeing these beautiful gains and I'd hate, I'd hate for all that to go away. Yeah. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense. So, Please have a look at that video for those of you who who have experienced, you know, that you're letting go of the club at the top. You feel like your hands are straining. You're not getting the proper compression on the ball. You're not able to take divots. Mm-hmm. That's a grip issue. And Moo, you just talked about your grip recently, right? Yeah, I was doing a speed session this morning and um, I noticed after a few swings that my grip was getting too, la- um, too lackadaisical, wasn't, wasn't assertive, wasn't, you know, proper. And then I addressed it and as soon as i did my compression improved and ball speed went up by five miles per hour so i was That's able it. i was able to you clamp down bring down the vibration down by stabilizing it with my grip pressure. V- very good and and you've got really good hand strength yeah and so you know i've i've seen you know i've got really good hand strength as well and i get a lot of compression through that and you feel it yeah yeah and then you feel like you know the um, Mike Austin describes it as uh, smoking a ping pong ball with a sledgehammer. Yeah, it's, right. It's, yeah, that's a great, perfect it, analogy. There's the analogy. <laughs> yeah. It's like a marshmallow that you, you know just squeezes off the face, and it's just a very satisfying feel. Yeah. So, uh, grip pressure is huge. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, you got to hold like a bird," mm-hmm. and you know we've talked about this in a lot of our podcasts but repetition 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 comes in very handy imagine you're hitting uh, a forehand from one backcourt to the next in tennis Mm -hmm. power forehand with a lot of spin on it i mean how firmly are you holding that racket pretty assertively very assertively because that ball has to rocket off that face it has to compress off the face Mm -hmm. so you know, if you're in the first serve, you're going to, you know, you really need to, you know, grip down on that racket because you've got to, you know, generate that compression in the direction that you want that ball to go. And if you don't have that proper grip strength, I mean, the racket will literally fly out of your hands. Correct. <clears throat> if you want to tag a nail and you want to, you know, smoke a nail one shot into a two by four, you ain't going to hold it like a bird. Right? So you're going to secure that hammer and really feel that you can compress through the nail. And that's what we all have when we have a secure, sound grip. It's a literal compression chamber. And that compression chamber turns into ball speed, you know, by today's standards Uh of ball speed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, we're going to, I think we got to need, everybody in the world's got to get together here. And really needle down on the USGA and just shame them shamelessly. Well, in a nice way. Okay. Politely. Yes. Respectfully. Respectfully. um, You're making the wrong decision. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, you know, 
over the weekend, Scotty Scheffler wins again. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and then we went back and we, we took a, we, we did a video this morning and, um, we posted, um, the, the real reason why Scotty Scheffler has that kind of footwork. And it really is a reaction to being too close to the golf ball. And we demonstrate this in the latest video and we put down, I mean, if you looked at Greg Norman in, in his prime, he, his footwork was identical to Scotty Scheffler's identical. And he was a dominant player. Like he was number one for 180 weeks or something like that. Yeah. Right. So, you know, talking about a very dominant player to another dominant player. And then Mark Calcavecchia has that same footwork. So three guys in the history of golf and um, three of them have, uh, I know Mark Calcavecchia has got a British Open. He's a major winner. And uh, Greg Norman's got two British Opens. He's a major winner. Mm-hmm. And Scotty. So all major winners with that kind of footwork. I mean, it comes from a lot of youth, of course. For sure, yeah. Being too close to the ball. Another example would be Justin Thomas, who's on both his toes at impact. So he goes up instead of back. Right. Same result. you got to make room when you're too close to the ball because at address, you'll noticeably see how Scotty Scheffler is very tall and close to the ball. And if he squats and gets his ground forces... As you squat, you get a lot closer to the ball. And if you're already close to start with, well, something's got to give because your arms need the space. And you can see in the stop action footage that we put in the video, you'll see that he's got the room for his right arm coming through impact just barely, but yet his right foot's just flying back. I mean, it's exploding backwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the same thing was, was happening to Greg Norman. And Greg Norman, you know, his misses under the gun <clears throat> were blocks to the right. So when you're too close to the ball, you can't get full extension. And when you can't get full extension, um, you're going to leave the face open because the, the arm club unit can't release fully. You can't get that full, you know, centrifugal force you know, snapping the club shut, you know, on time. So when Greg Norman got a little bit under the gun, he gets tense. Like at the Masters when he he was beat by Nick Faldo, mm-hmm. you could see Nick, he could, he could smell the blood in the water because, you know, Greg Norman was spewing oil. He came into the final round, <clears throat> I think he was six shots ahead, and he lost by five shots. It was like a, an eleven shot turnaround. Hmm. He shot seventy six to Nick Faldo's sixty seven right. in the final round. So that's how much ground Nick Faldo made. Yeah. So they were and they were both in the last group, and you could see how Greg Norman was so tense and so emotional. You know, when he'd miss a shot, he'd be on the ground rolling around, and you know, making all kinds of different reactions that way, and and. And it's when you covet something so strongly, like the Masters, he wanted to be like the first Australian to win the Masters. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, that, that one, like Sam Snead, didn't win the U.S. Open. And for Sam Snead, that, that's a... It's a great achievement. 
Well, no, it's a stinging. Oh, stinging. Oh, because yeah. he didn't win the U.S. Open. Okay, yeah. And on one of the U.S. Opens, he he triple bogeyed the last hole to lose. Oh. Oof. Just like Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson lost the U.S. Open, didn't win the U.S. Open, and he's kicking himself, you know, three ways to Sunday because of that. Yeah. So when you're under the gun and you've got a little something going on with your technique, then... When you get tense, you can't swing freely. The only thing that keeps Scotty Scheffler swinging freely is his attitude. Yeah. And <clears throat> being uh, a devoted, you know, I, I would call it Catholic or Christian. He's Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, he, like a lot of athletes, love to put things in God's hands. If God is willing then I'll win today. If he's not, then, hey, I'll be happy for the winner. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So be it. I'm I'm doing my job. I'm working my tail off, and I'm practicing, and I'm making sure all my ducks are in a row, and I'm going to show up, and I'm going to do my thing. Mm-hmm. And if God willing, mm-hmm. and all I'm going to do is I'm going to stick to my targets. and So you can see Scheffler puts everything he has in every shot. Mm-hmm. And you don't see him wilting under the gun. You'll actually see him hit incredible shots under the gun <clears throat> because of that fortitude of spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I remember Timothy Galway saying the same thing. There's a wonderful story he has in the, he's got, he's the inner tennis guy, right? And as a, a follow-up book that he wrote for inner, inner tennis, he wrote Inner Tennis Playing the Game. Mm-hmm. And he talks about a tournament in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I've been there. Yeah, right? For Remember soccer. for soccer? Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, so he talks about how he's uh, a lower seed in the tournament and he's playing the top seed of the tournament that day. And his game was his game plan was listen, I, I've really worked hard to be here to qualify for this tournament, and it's in God's hands, right? Mm-hmm. And he's beating this guy. And he's playing out of his mind. And then two points from winning. Mm -hmm. He says, God, I can take it from here. He woke up too early. He woke up too early. He double faults twice in a row. The momentum changes and he loses the match. That just gave me shivers. Right? Yeah. And then you could just see the mo- when that momentum shifts and you start panicking, it's over. Yeah, the uh, the shift in momentum in tennis especially is mm. crazy. Like, Moo and I watched the tennis documentary Breakpoint on Netflix. Right. And they talk about that very often and how crucial those momentum shifts are to the match and how quickly they can happen. <laughs> and it's either you thrive through it or yeah. you fall yes. on your face. Yes. And and that's why endurance in tennis is like you're you're up for a marathon and a half, right? I think oh, yeah. it's more than a marathon. It's like a triathlon. Yeah, they are. <clears throat> fit. They're fit individuals. Yeah. Uh, one of my students, uh, John Sorbo, mm-hmm. who's a tennis coach, and he used to he coached a, a guy by the name of Dancevich. He was a top sixty player, and he was on his he was making moves, and he was on his way. And um, 
John was very rigorous with his training, you know, because the top guys like Rafael Nadal, mm-hmm. you, you can't outlast that guy. No. Yeah, it's true. Right? Yeah. So at one point, there was a little bit of a rebellion. And, you know, Dancevich was saying, you're a bit too hard on me. And I want to take a break. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's off he goes and he does his thing. And he matches up with Nadal. And he's beating Nadal, right? Mm-hmm. Third set, and then they go see they they go get John. John, come see you got to see this. Your your guy is winning and all that. He comes to the TV. He watches one point. He says, he turns around. He leaves the room, and on the way out of the room, he says he's gassed. He knew it, mm-hmm. and he loses the match against Nadal. Nadal, as soon as as soon as Nadal. Got that <clears throat> upper hand. Mm-hmm. He wilted, yeah, because he was out of gas. Mm-hmm. So if you're physically out of gas in tennis, how is your mental state going to be? Yeah, yeah, that's the the. There's a balance, part. yeah, because it's like your mental <laughs> game is also has to have endurance in mm-hmm. those circumstances. Yes. So it's like if you don't have endurance to kind of keep it going or tell yourself you got to keep. It's a it. it's a mind body thing. Yeah. you got to know to balance both. Say, man, I I I'm showing up. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, because there's no quit in Nadal. Yeah, there is no quit. Didn't he? Tiger was saying he won a tournament with a broken foot. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, some, <laughs> somebody's. Well, that sounds crazy. They are for the oh, sport, right? Yeah. It's like yeah, you you you're you're not leaving out. You're there a gladiator. Them. Yeah, you're yeah. not leaving that court. It's all for, for the glory. It's all for the glory. It's yeah. all for the glory. It's not. He's not showing up for money. Mm-mm. No, he's, I'm gonna beat everybody's pants off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, that's a true competitor. That's then that's Tiger winning the U.S. Yeah. Open with a broken leg. Yeah, yeah. So you're not going to drag me off this field. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. the Wild Horses song. Right. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I've always admired about Scotty is his his mental. Huge. He yeah. has it. Yeah. That's why he's where he's at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets right? the acceptance part pretty clear yep. you know it's like whatever result yeah. happens happens that's it yeah. don't look at his technique because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you, you don't want you can't copy that mm-hmm. no because that's something he's been that's that's uniquely him right that's when that's from childhood <laughs> that's uniquely him and that's a that's something that not a lot of golfers realize is you can't go out and emulate or try to copy somebody else's swing because that works for them and yep. you also don't realize the Everything else that goes into Scotty being a number one player. It's not just his technique. No. Like a huge, massive majority part of it is probably his mindset. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you can't, there's no way that anyone else is going to be able to have that kind of mindset. He, he is through to the target every time. Full freedom. I mean, you see how much he rips through there? Yeah. Yeah. So he's going there no matter what. Yeah, it's not timid. It's not timid. Mm-mm. So that's why he's the best ball striker because he's the more the most freewheeling guy out there. Right. That's what you want to copy is the freewheeling aspect of that, and that's yeah. what we're all about. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you, you you want to work with Moo or you want to work with me and Sav, you know, the gals, I'm sure one day are going to want because I mean, you're you're in demand, and I mm-hmm. think you're going to have to, you know, start uh, opening your 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 book a little bit. Yeah, I've been really passionate about, like, the mindset side of things, especially with the conversations that we've had with, like, 
Dr. Roman Pryor and with Monica, with Monica and things like that, especially for the women's side of things, just to, I don't know, be able to spread more like confidence boosting content and I don't know, that kind of thing for the ladies side. Yeah. Yeah. But they're going to want to, they're going to need your help. I, I feel like I'm very competent, obviously, in mm-hmm. like the golf instruction side of things because I've been hanging around you for my whole life. Yes. <laughs> so it's obviously going to rub off, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes I find it, dif- I don't know. It doesn't, obviously it doesn't come as naturally as it does for you because you do it for your living. Yeah. But, but like we're three full-time instructors at the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's 12 part-time instructors. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of we're a lot of pros at the club. It's a very busy club, and it's it, you know the busiest person right now is our female instructor, Elizabeth. Yeah, and that's really cool. It's just sometimes I have like because we have a lot of women at the club. I know, and she's the busiest instructor <laughs> right now. I know, and, and I think that's. It's across across the board. Sometimes I have a little bit of like an imposter syndrome. Like what? I don't believe that what I have to say is like uh, valuable enough or um, is like credible enough. Really? Yeah. Well, we're going to have to chit chat about that one, people. Yeah. That's, um, you know, most of our students um, have a better grasp on golf instruction than the majority of golf instructors out there, mm. you know? Yeah. And that's, um, I wish it was different. Mm. It's not. Yeah. And, um, you know, because there's a lot of part-time instructors out there. I mean, like the first 10 years, I've been a full-time teacher for 38 years. Yeah. Um, the first 10 years, I want to give everybody's money back, but you got to get me after that. Right. Yeah. So all of the stuff that both you and Moo have learned, I mean, Moo is going to town right now. Yeah. I mean, the the three guys that we have in, in our morning, you know, speed sessions mm-hmm. that we're taking care of right now, they, they had goals to get to a certain level by April. Yeah. They've already blown that out of the water by 20 yards. Yeah. The speed training opens up <clears throat> things, makes things learn a lot faster. Big time. Yeah. Like it comes to like... Because you're forcing the body. I mean, yeah. you, you remember when um, Bryson DeChambeau mm-hmm. went, made the decision to go long. Yeah. His swing turned into our technique. Right. Yeah. Overnight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He right? Had, he, because had he had to. He had to, he had to take listen off. to the human body. He had to take off the governor. Off exactly. The take yeah. off that governor. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So, so now you open that up. And I keep telling my students... You out there listening, your arms are attached really well. Mm-hmm. They're not going anywhere. And then you attach a club to a secure grip and then you swing freely. What that's going to do is going to create arcs, circles. And those circles are going to be passing in a much more consistent place when you freewheel it. And the more you freewheel it, the more your body has to respond to that and keep you in balance. And get out of the freaking way. Mm-hmm. So as it's gliding out of the way and keeping you in balance, guess what? Your technique is going to shine quickly. Yeah. And that's where the improvement comes. Yeah. And that's why the speed training is, man, it's like a no-brainer. Right. It's right? huge, yeah. That's yeah. it. So we're now going to you know, work at adapting this to every age in the book. For sure, yeah. 
we need to adapt this to the eight-year-old that's up and coming. Yeah. And the 88-year-old who's, you know, in, 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 you know, in a body that's not as pliable and not as good to recover. Mm-hmm. And that's where the getting out of the way part is going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, it's like I wouldn't change anything right now. And I think Sav is, I think you should start, you know, thinking about taking a deep dive because helping people feel better about themselves is massive. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I'm, I'm already retired. Like mm-hmm. I'm working my butt off right now. Yeah. But like I can't wait for the next day mm-hmm. because it's just, you know, we're going to like tonight we have, you know, four, four hours of, of lessons in a row with, with our groups at the, uh, at the winter Academy and I'll come home with a big smile on my face, you know, and it's going to be, it's always a little, it takes me a little time to, to come down from, from that, that, uh, that high. Mm-hmm. So, uh, looking forward to that peanut. Yep. So apart from that, guys, anything else to add? That, um, was, that was a fun, that was a fun session. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I really enjoyed that. I was very spontaneous and uh, looking forward to some more uh, time spent with all of you and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll talk to you next week. All the best. All the best. Take care.